Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Vero Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Suela Perez. And we are two Latinx friends. With wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week we have a little Meneito for you where we're bringing you just what we're into these days. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this beautiful song, Perez? Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is my pick, and this is a song by Radio Jarocho and Zenin Seferino, and the song is called Los Chiles Verdes. Cuando no me veas siempre que vivo en tu lado izquierdo, que soy el viento que muerdo los cabellos de tu frente. En tu beso y las horas se marchitan esperando tu regreso. Árboles que en el verano el viento cruza y deshoja como penas amarillas, como lágrimas tan rojas. Todavía siento el calor que nuestros cuerpos formaron que nuestros cuerpos formaron so i love that you like this I, it's I, really, I really beautiful someday we should do actually do a, like a venn diagram of the things that are overlapping about our music tastes <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a random assortment of things it's like hard reggaeton and then sonarocho um and, salsa <laughs> and things like that yeah it's really beautiful so i just got introduced to i, I I realized that I had like heard it before, but didn't know much about the genre itself, like in specific, because like, yeah, because people like mm -hmm. San La Santa Cecilia, for example, right? Like they borrow elements of it. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah, totally. Music that I listened to, I just didn't know it really. But um, but a, a new friend of mine named Ceci, shout out to Ceci, sent um, kind of introduced me to this music. She plays in a Son Jarocho group in DC called Son Cosita Seria, and she plays mm -hmm. La Jarana, which is like a small, looks like a ukulele, but has ten strings and it's like a classic son jarocho instrument so yeah, i got yeah. a recent sort of like intro into this um, genre of music which comes from veracruz mexico and i feel really blessed because i ended up going to a show um with ceci that she told me about a, by this group and zenin and he's like one of the most i think famous son jarocho singers and composers and musicians in mexico so it felt like getting to like have an introduction to a genre of music with like the legend of it basically oh yeah it was super cool um, yeah i'm i'm in know about song harocho mostly like through organizing yeah. spaces right yeah. i think that yeah. um one really cool thing about song harocho is that i think that its revival right now has really been a lot in organizing communities right like mm -hmm. using like folk like folk and culture right. work right. to right. um as an organizing tool and so yeah. that's my familiarity with song harocho less yeah. as like a deep knowledge of like figuring out who like you know who are the people right. that are like the legends in this genre yeah. but really like through like community right like people right. like you right. go to like a, a show or a meeting or Yeah. Um, a fundraiser and there's like a song Harocho band. My favorite is like I don't know, no sé cómo se llama, but like the instrument that's like basically like an animal jaw. It's like oh. the jaw of a cow and they like no. shake it. Like it's amazing. 
It's like, like that a percussion just like, instrument? Yeah, like a percussion instrument. Wow. It's like sort of like... I don't think I saw that or maybe I didn't know. Yeah, like, like it's like, I think it's the jaw of a cow, pero no estoy segura. But like that's the, the first time I saw some Harocho band, they played that. And yeah. I thought that was so cool. So cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I understand of it from like a little bit of research and what I've learned is... Is, yeah, what you're saying is really true, that it in some ways has more of a community element to it than, like, a performance element. Mm-hmm. Like, that people have these um, fandangos that are, like, a, basically a big party where everybody's just playing music together and everybody's invited to play and sing and do different things. Like, it's not just, like, we're the elite, in, we're the elite like, musicians and then everyone else just watches. Like, it's a very participatory yeah, like, yeah. community, which makes sense then to think about how it, like, facilitates organizing and... Um, and that it's pretty popular among um, farm worker communities in the U.S. Um, yeah. And that's part of, like, I think what you're talking about with the organizing tradition. So, but that there are also people. So this band, Radio Harocho, um, and Zen and Severino's had his own career, but recently joined up with this band, which is based in, or this group, which is based in New York. But um, I think okay. most of the, the members are Mexican, but they're all living in New York. And he still lives in Veracruz, but, like, travels a lot to, to yeah, perform. Yeah. So they kind of, like, teamed up recently. Um, and what's so interesting cool. about them is that they, it's a hybrid, right? So they're, they're bringing a lot of like traditional like Son Harocho songs and lyrics, but then like this particular one that we're listening to um, is a traditional Son Harocho song, but he's added new lyrics to it. He's a composer and a songwriter and like writes really beautiful yeah, lyrics. Yeah. So it's like, and then they also bring in instruments that are not traditional to Son Harocho. So like the stand-up bass, for example, um, is a part of this band. Like they have a bass player. That's like, you know, yeah. looks like a jazz bass, right? And that's not a traditional instrument necessarily in Son Harocho. So they're doing, and then like, uh, there was someone playing the cajon, which is like a instrument across Latin America, but not necessarily um, one that's been part of Son Harocho. So that kind of hybrid, you know, modernization, like borrowing, but then also kind of moving things in a different trajectory. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a cool, I mean, it's it's a common trope. I think we talk about this with lots of different genres where people are doing that, that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so this song is actually about, one of the reasons I picked it um, is because it's, like I just said, the lyrics, like the, the new lyrics, the way that it's been adapted, um, talks kind of about being in New York City, like the relationship between like being Mexican and being in New York City, because that's yeah, like yeah. Radio Harocho. And then the, the video, which I don't know if you got to watch, but it was really beautiful. It's so pretty. Yeah. yeah. It's really pretty. So go check out our show notes. You can watch the video. And it features one of the singers who's also a dancer. So that's another part of Son Harocho. It's like there's a very traditional kind of dance that's like zapateando, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. think about like taps. Sort of flamenco-y. Sort of. But yeah, flamenco-y, different. tap sort of, yeah. Um, and it's danced on like a little platform. And so the that's a big part of this yeah. group as well as this woman who sings and dances the sort of more traditional Yeah, yeah. I've dance. seen that like people like bring their little like box that mm-hmm. you like stand on yep. to like zapatear and like it's part exactly. of the percussion too, right? Yeah. Like the yeah, dancer exactly. is also the percussionist. Right. It's so right. cool. Right, which is a very like flamenco thing too, right? Where yeah. the, yeah, the foot, it, you know, and so I mean this this music, this, this particular um, like genre is very much a mix of African influence, indigenous influence, and Spanish influence. I mean, it's a really typical mm-hmm. sort of Latin American story through colonialism and, you know, the slave trade and all these things that brought these different um, elements together. So that's, this is really evident in this, um, this particular music. Yeah. So totally. I just have, I have to complain for a minute because, so I went to this show at this bar called Tropicalia in DC, which is like a great venue. They, they have a lot of like cool stuff. And it was a Saturday night before Halloween and like on U Street. So it's like a really kind of a lot going on on that 
area. Like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Intense it's going busy, on. Busy, I would imagine yeah. at that time. Saturday before Halloween. Mm-hmm. So you know the show itself, like there was a crowd of people there for the show. Great. And then as toward the end, I think there was a dance party happening after in the space, the for Halloween or whatever. So people started coming in for this dance party and they like were not there to see the show and had no idea what they were walking into. And this was like a really beautiful performance and like, you know, somebody who's pretty important and whatever, like it was, the vibe Mm -hmm. was really sweet. And then these motherfuckers in like slutty Halloween costumes or whatever, right? Like come in and just start like making such a mess. Like these, these folks, I don't know what their like, you know, race ID background, whatever, but like clearly didn't know what they were listening to and then started like trying to salsa dance. It was like so embarrassing. And it was such a small <laughs> crowd that it, like they were and they like went right up in the front and in the middle. You know, I'm just like, why yeah. are you here? You, you don't even know who you're watching. And then you're going to be super like inappropriate and fucked up. Like literally this like white guy was like trying to teach this girl like how to salsa dance to this music. And I'm, like, you're wrong on so many levels right now. And I just I was it just like I had a lot of trouble just ignoring them and like focusing on the music. Yeah. Which is, what I should have done, but it just like reminded me of like kind of how much I hate Halloween to be honest. Cause I think <laughs> it gives people a license to be more ridiculous than they normally are, you know? Yeah. Something about like being dressed up or something, or maybe just act- being extra drunk. Maybe people have to be extra drunk I to go know. out and about and whatever costume. People be wilding though. And then at the end, like Halloween. during the encore, which is like, you know, such a beautiful moment. And the, there had been two bands performing. They came together and there's really beautiful song. And then these motherfucking drunk, dudes dressed like nuns like in full habits got up on the stage no yeah it was horrible oh god like you're so it's it's like read the vibe bro it's so inappropriate like you didn't buy tickets (laughs) to this show you know like who are you making yourself the center of attention and i i I really feel like halloween makes that worse like i don't think those dudes would have gotten up on stage if they weren't dressed like nuns you know (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they would have, but I just—it just feels like it gives people license to be Trash. like, "Look at me, look at me." Yeah, it's not about you though. Anyway, well, yeah, I this is great. I, I don't yeah. know if we brought Song Harocho before, I, or I guess well, we, we brought, brought La Bamba. Bamba. Yeah, yeah. So you—you were the one who posted about this um, recent Code Switch episode about La Bamba, right? Yeah, I posted it on our Instagram stories. If y'all don't follow us. We post cute things there. I posted it because actually one of our listeners slash a former guest of our show slash an amazing tattoo artist who you should follow in her own right, Tamara Santibanez, texted me and was like, hey, I thought you would really like this episode. It's about... La Bamba being like uh, about like being a song Harocho song and being um, you know like uh, sounds of like people of African descent. And I was like, oh yeah, I would love to listen to this. So, That's so sweet. Um, I I like Code Switch a lot and I tend to listen to it, um, but I'm not super religious about it. So I was really yeah. appreciative that Tamara yeah. texted me about this episode and I listened to it and it's really good. Well, and I had just learned about that like a few days before I'm going to the show about La Bamba being, because um, they did a version of it also on stage. And so I had just learned that it's a Son Harocho um, show. So, I mean, song. So it was, it was cool to go and listen. We'll put a yeah, link in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, totally. We'll put a link in the show notes to the Code Switch episode. Also, to shout out the episode we did with Tamara Santibanez, because it was really good and one of our most popular episodes, actually. So we'll put a link in the show notes, too, in case you want to listen. She's lovely. And we basically just kind of talked about some of her favorite music and y'all loved it. So, Hey, um, definitely. But yeah, I would love some time to do, we were just talking about before we got on, like to do maybe a Son Harocho episode at some point to kind of do a deep dive. 
Yeah, um, I have a lot of ideas for like genre exploration episodes, yeah, especially exactly. I was thinking about, I mean, we've had this on our list also for a long time, but like a punk episode because mm-hmm. there was recently this piece in the New York Times that like I think was really well intended, you know, it was about like Latino, Latinx kids in LA who are shaping the punk scene there right now which is like really cool like it should totally be explored and like I'm really excited that it got a piece in the New York Times but it was like sort of a historical in mm. the fact that it like framed it as like this is something that's happened that's happening now right and which is like a huge oversight in a place like LA where like Latinx people have been shaping the punk right. scene for like decades right. literally right like Alice Bag is like oh look at this new thing saint. huh so annoying when they do that. Like, look at this new thing. Yeah, and it's like punk. Latinx people have been shaping punk all over the country. You know, right. like the Chicago punk scene wouldn't be what it is if it weren't for Latinx kids either. You know, so it's. I think that um, it was really disappointing to see that, um, and I feel like it made me like reminded me of the fact that we have that on our list. Is like, oh, we need to like dedicate some time to this. So yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of like genre things yeah. that we could explore. So you know. For sure. Stay tuned. Keep listening. Stay tuned. We've got a lot of things planned for sure. So tell us about your song for this Meneito. So my song for this Meneito is by um, Cero 39 featuring Soy Emilia. And the song is called Dos Extraños. Colombian electronic duo. They're from Bogota. And I think I'm pretty sure that the reason that I first came across them was through like Mula, through Mula's social media. Right. Um, and just like pro tip, this is really one of the ways that I find a lot of artists that I love is just see what the artists that I already like are listening to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like pretty foolproof and it's so... I mean, this is one of the cool things about social media. I have lots of really complicated feelings about social media. Um, But one of the things that I think is so amazing about it is that, like, I get to, like, follow 
some of these artists that I already like know that I love their music and um, see how they're following releases and like what they're listening to. Right. Um, right. And um, and I think that that um, it both is really cool to see like who the influences and tastes are of the people that um, that I like, but also. Um, just new stuff for me to listen to that I might right. not have otherwise come across. Yeah, for um, sure. For sure. So I think I'm pretty sure that I came across Cero Trentinoe for the first time just through following Mula. And um, I really like this song. This song, um, it's just a single. It came out um, late October. It's not on an album or anything. I'm not sure that there's if there's an album coming. Um, but their, uh, their last full length came out like in 2016. It's called, um, Moni Moni, um, M-O-N-I. Mm, <laughs> and, that's what we call um, my dog. <laughs> Moni. Mona, but we dog call her Mona. Moni for short, which I feel like is a very Cuban way to like shorten things. Moni. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think, um, I don't, I'm not sure if this is going to be off of a new album. Maybe they're working on something. Um, but their 2016 release, I think it's really fun. Although I'd say it sounds it's like the vibe is pretty different from this yeah. song. Um, yeah, yeah, it sounds sort of different. I, I still, I mean, y- y'all should check it out. Like, I think um, it's, I think it's a fun record, and hopefully, this means that there's more new music coming from them. Yeah, I have to say that when I saw the name of this and then I pulled it up, I was like, uh Oh, is this, am I like really going to dislike this? <laughs> and then I did that. I did it. Then I did it because it had yeah, like a melodic, so like singing situation going. Yeah. Yeah. So be, the like, singer electronic or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the singer is soy Emilia yeah. and, um, Emilia is the, the nombre de artista de Juanita Carvajal, who, um, I believe is also Colombian from Bogota. And um, she has this, like, body of work of nicely crafted pop that y'all should check out. So, like, yeah, so that's this is, like, also, I think her feature is partially, like, um, is very much in her style as well, right? And she's, her work is, like, you think, like, Javier Amenar, Julieta Venegas, even though, like, I think those two people are really different. But I think she's, like, yeah. somewhere in there, you know? Right, like, right, um, right. she's got, like, this, like, really, like, I think brilliantly crafted pop that um that is cool and y'all should check her out lovely yeah i was i was pleasantly surprised i was pleasantly surprised yeah pleasantly surprised kind of how i felt about the elections (laughs) Uh, yeah good transition (gasps) so we're recording this the day after both of us like stayed up way too late watching the election results so we're like a little tired um yeah tell me how you're feeling this morning I mean, I feel like most people will be like, wait, you're pleasantly surprised, but that's because I'm a pessimist mm-hmm. and I really, True. truly thought we were going to have another 2016 night when, like, everybody's predicting a blue wave, but, like, in reality, like, um, you know, red this, tide. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like a, yeah, like a fucking red tide. And I was like, this is, like, going to be disappointing and horrible. Um and one, I thought that because I was like totally certain that white people will, would still overwhelmingly vote for Trump, yeah, and which they still did, right? Um, but pretty um, much, yeah, 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 pretty much. But I mean, we, you know, like the Dems took the House, yeah. so that's like you know that's Huge. a 
like, you know, un rayito de luz. At least it's a big deal. Um, And I think that people are underestimating how big of a deal it is that the Dems took the house. I think that it means um, it means a lot. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sad about the, um, some of the state races. Like I really thought Andrew Gillum was going to like get it. Like I thought that he had like a good chance and I'm really disappointed to see that like this like perrito fiel de Trump is going to be the new governor of Florida. The wild thing is like that race and Beto's race, like they were won by like a few thousand votes. Like that's the wild thing. Like. Yeah, it's like when all these races were super close. Matters, Even like, the ones that were won, like like the they're they're all very very close. And and I mean, I'm also sad about Beto losing, right? Yeah. And Ted Cruz, um, getting yeah. getting it back in the Senate. Pero honestly, I always thought that was a huge long shot, and I feel like it's like low key a win that he got so I close. Know. He got so particularly close. because. You know, Dems don't invest in races where they don't think they can win. And I don't think that they thought they could win um, in yeah, Texas. Yeah, I mean, he got money from, like, lots of individual people around yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, a very, again, like, very another, Obama like, Obama-style, yeah, or uh-huh. you know, like, campaign-style, yeah. at least, right? right? Um, we're yeah. getting a lot of like oh, wow. small, and I think that it was like, I keep thinking about Beto and I think about like Howard Dean, you know, and mm-hmm. like Howard Dean, like didn't win. Like, you know, remember when like he, like they, we decided he couldn't be president cause he screamed once. Well, <laughs> those were the God. standards, but, um, God. but basically I think that like Howard Dean's campaign, like the success of like how he did the campaigns is like getting so far on very small donations and a progressive agenda, like made the Obama win possible really. Yeah. Um, right. like and I think changed the trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yep. changed the trajectory of campaign organizing. And I think right. that, I think that, um, that Beto is going to really change up how um, Dems look at Texas. Right. There's like an infrastructure now. And yeah, somebody was telling me, one of my friends was saying that he just like went old school and like literally went to like every county and just like shook fucking hands. Yeah. Yeah. And like that shit makes a difference, especially probably for places where people have kind of abandoned them. Right. Right. Don't think. Totally. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, the fact that he's, like, a really, truly progressive candidate. Progressive. I think that, like, right. Dems do this thing where, like, they try to do middle of the road to, like, get people, um, to, like, get people right. from the right to come in. And it's like, no, like, those aren't your people. Those people will never be your people. You need to, like, invest in voter entra- enfranchisement, like, get rid of fucking gerrymandering, like, right. organize around gerrymandering, organize around voting rights. Right. And... Uh, and, um, in, you know, invest in, like, a truly progressive candidate where people can, like, see a visionary agenda. It's just, like, dumb. People do this in movements, too. And it's really frustrating to me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's kind of true on both sides, right? That I think what we're learning right now is that the moderate middle is kind of a, a thing of the past. And that, like, what drives people is like people on the far right and the far left. And so on our end, like yeah. that's great on their end. It's kind of scary, you know? So Super I think there's scary. bigger implications for like the future of American politics from that reality of like people getting more sort of farther along on the spectrum politically. Cause like a lot of moderate, I think a bunch of the people who lost like flip districts to, that went yeah. to Dems were moderate Republicans, you know? And it's like, I don't actually yeah, know yeah. that I want moderate Republicans to not be able to be Republicans, but would I rather there be a Democrat? Yeah. You know, so anyway, maybe we're getting kind of like 
political insider baseball, you get like a little bit of glimpse I know. into like what we like do in got, our other... You're getting a little preview of our other lives other right now. Other lives, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like watching MSNBC <laughs> until one o'clock in the morning. Um, Y'all, this is what we do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like this is not like... I feel like I am relieved also that the race is over because I think that for me, this sort of like the this like end of politics, like this electoral stuff, it's like one, um, it's one tool out of like so many that are important, right? And I think that a lot of times it gets an outsize um, like influence, right? Where people are like, vote, this is the thing that you can do. And it's like, no, it's not the thing you can do. It's like a thing you can do. Yeah. And like out of many things and like, it's maybe not even our most important tool, but like it is a tool and I'm about using all the tools at our disposal. Right. right? So um, I'm sort of relieved it's over. I'm glad that we got some wins in there. I'm glad that things didn't go as poorly as my pessimist ass <laughs> thought You're they were going to go. Yeah. And now we can get to like organizing, which like literally is the only possible outcome, right? Like if, if the Dems had swept, then, you know, we'd have to organize to keep them accountable. If the Republicans had swept, we'd have to organize to keep what we have, um, you know, in this situation, we have to organize to like push where we can and hold where we have to, you know? So I'm, I'm like taking my time to mourn the losses that I feel sad about. I'm as as of this recording, we still don't know about Stacey Abrams. I'm holding out hope for her. Right. um, Cause she's, she's the one person I'm really, really invested in. I'll be really really sad if she has to concede. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but you know, I'll take the time to mourn if I have to, and then we'll get back to the work that we knew we had to do before. Yeah, for sure. And I just think it's important to celebrate the victories. Like, the big picture, yeah. just because we had these losses, like didn't get the Senate, which, you know, was never really realistic, I don't think. Um, there's some amazing victories, and a lot of them are not at the federal level. Like a lot of them are at the state level and yeah, at the yeah. like, local level. And like, you know, people have been posting a lot about like a number of like women of color who've broken barriers, right? Like the first Latina governor of New Mexico, like the first two Native American women in Congress, the first Somali American. Like there's a lot of amazing sort of diversity um, wins in terms of changing the face of who's representing us. And then I just have to say, like, there's been a lot of people posting the race gender vote numbers for you know like florida and texas and whatever Mm -hmm. and like a lot of focus on like white women um particularly going you know 60 plus margin toward the republicans but the available i've been looking at the latino numbers i don't know if you've been paying attention to those veto and that's like 60 40 or like 66 you know like 66 34 Uh like that sort of stuff yep so it's like obviously better direction, but like we got a lot of work to do too, you know, like there's a lot of movement to be made there, especially compared to like the African-American vote where you're talking like 90 plus percent for. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that there's like a few things there and like, I don't know, I could talk about this forever and we don't have to because y'all aren't here for that. But (laughs) I think like part of it is race, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot like, you know, a lot of like whiteness or proximity to whiteness that people feel invested in and and invested in keeping. But I I also don't think it's that simple, right? I think that there's a lot of people of color that are, that, you know, are like, you know, would would and are read as people of color yeah. in all situations that of their lives in the United States and vote, yeah. are still right wing because of a lot of reasons, right? Like religion is one of them, like just like general social conservatism, you know, like it's more complicated than race, yeah. although I do think race does play a big part. Yeah, race and class, I think, and assimilation yeah. and immigration yeah. status. But to me, it's just an opportunity. I'm like, here's just some work we can do. 
anyway, yeah, I'm feeling like similarly to you. I think like cautiously optimistic and trying to focus on like the good aspects of what, what we learned and what's what's been changed and what that means for the future. Cause you know, the situation is still really rough y'all, but I just hate it when people immediately just focus on like, well, we didn't get this and we didn't get that and da, 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 instead of like, well, look at what we did get, you, yeah. know? you know, like I think that's important, especially when we are facing such challenging conditions to really give ourselves a chance to say, you know, no, this is like a really fucking good sign y'all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So many opportunities. Yep. So many opportunities. And you know, yep. we just like, you know, do what you need to do, gather yourself, and keep on moving. I know. It's not over yet, yo. And I was inspired <laughs> by it, just like everybody. I feel like the turnout piece was inspiring to me, too. Yeah. Even in yeah. D.C., where, like, we don't have any federal representation, like, there was a long-ass line at my voting my voting place um, after it closed, like, outside. And D.C. is really yeah. good about access to voting. Like, your polling place doesn't change. They have a ton of them in every, like, there's a few in every neighborhood. Like, they really, they don't yeah. try to limit the access to the vote. And people were really turned out, I think, because of just, like, the general feeling of the country. Because, you know, in D.C., the primary really determines most things. But um, people fucking turned out. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So my last song for this many, though, I would say this is, like, a hopeful song. I mean, not that the first yeah. either, but <laughs> um, this is Tu Sonrisa by Elvis Crespo. Algo en tu cara me fascina, algo en tu cara me da vida. Será tu sonrisa, será tu sonrisa. Pequena, échate para acá. listening to right now when I come to the many though but I just realized a lot of what I'm listening to feels like a lot of the music we've been bringing lately like new reggaeton or like poppy reggaeton or like trap like different things like that so I was like you know what let me think about a little bit of diversity just to like representing my own musical taste and so I, I went back <laughs> into the archives and pulled out this um, merengue song because I love merengue and I haven't, I haven't brought very much of it that'd be another one that'd be interesting to do an episode about would be merengue because it has a really interesting history and also crosses some like national divides for sure. Yeah. Um, but Elvis Crespo, I think, is probably one of the more famous merengueros, especially like in the diaspora because of Suavemente, which you you know you hear at every party and I feel everybody. Like yeah. Even the gringos know Suavemente. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel that way. Yeah. Although. <laughs> We've talked about on this podcast before that I feel like Despacito is replacing Suavemente, which is not okay. No. No. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I feel you on that. Although, I don't know. Now there's all these other hits that I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know Despacito still had some 
some level of yeah like maybe 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 they're doing other things i hope so i hope they're but listening now it's to like, all the other things i just feel like there's so many hits in that like pop reggaeton arena now that i don't even know that you can say there's one but anyway i love merengue um because it's like really upbeat and happy and because it's really freaking easy to dance to <laughs> i think that's like probably the thing <laughs> i like most about merengue it's just like a one two step and you can get really fancy with any dance right like i'm talking about sure basic but merengue. the basis of it is very simple especially oh, when you compare it to salsa you oh, know exactly exactly it's like merengue versus salsa versus bachata like merengue is the is the easiest one for me at least and so um i love dancing to it it can be a little repetitive that is true and like his songs tend to be a little bit long and by the end and they're fast so by the end you're like I'm really tired so by the end you're like I know I know it's like <laughs> oh I'm going I'm going but um, but yeah it's really you know I grew up dancing for sure but never learning how to lead because it's all very gendered yeah and like my dad's a really amazing dancer so like obviously I'm not going to try to lead my father that'd be weird um, so I've had to sort of teach myself how to lead as an adult um, and this, and that's one of the reasons why I really like merengue because it's very easy to lead and I can do like fun spins and stuff with merengue that I can't do with like salsa or bachata because the beat is just so easy to stay on it's just a one, two, mm -hmm. one, two, one, two. I tend to lose the beat with salsa and bachata mm -hmm. when I'm trying to do turns and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep trying. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm hoping to like get better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one is another jam of his that I really like, but it's, you know, not as well known as Suavemente. Have you, you know the song, Yara? I didn't know it. Oh, no. Okay. Interesting. I think it's from the same album. I'm not sure. But yeah. I think it might be from the I'm same not like a bit, I'm not like, like I like hear when I listen to Elvis Crespo because it's like on somewhere, you know. Yeah, you're I'm not, not like a seeker out of Elvis Crespo. <laughs> and I, and that's to be fair, like I don't sit around listening to Menenge, but, um, but when it comes to like being at a dance party, I'm really happy when it comes on because it's yeah, totally. Yeah, so yeah, this one. I mean, I, I like I like all his stuff, but I particularly like this song. And then this, then the lyrics are very sweet. It's all about her smile. So I just wanted to mix it up and not bring like. There's plenty of. I don't know. I feel like we've been texting about a lot of like new trap and reggaeton that I like and all these collabs, but I just wanted to bring something different. So mm -hmm. it's a little throwback. Do you like dancing merengue? Oh, I love dancing merengue. Yeah. I think I like salsa better, maybe. Just because it's like, I think like the fact that it's a little bit more of a challenge makes it more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just need to, to get some more skills with salsa. Yeah. I think, so I think I like salsa more. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I like merengue. I feel like the one that I feel totally lost in the sauce is bachata. Because mm. I, I learned how to dance bachata, like damn like close to 20 years ago and I was dancing a lot of bachata back then right. but then I haven't really too much for like um because when I was like 18 I used to like go to the club every week to like the to the Latino night mm -hmm. and so they'd play bachata and I would you know like I learned how to play that how to dance then but I stopped doing that um after a couple of years and um and i think since bachata has like totally like bachata like as a dance has like changed. evolved and changed yeah. in a way that like i did not i you know like i'm now currently like completely lost in the sauce like i don't yeah. know how to do it yeah so now i feel like i feel like i once knew how to dance bachata when people were doing it 20 years ago right. but now right. i do not <laughs> Yeah, I wonder how much it's changed and if it's mirrored how the music has changed or if it's just, like, more advanced steps. You know, I don't know what you were doing 20 years ago, but there's lots of different, I feel like, ways to dance bachata. 
Um, and, yeah. you know, I watch yeah, a lot of people do it like all like being big at and with some uh-huh. body rolls and like all these other body steps. Rolls. And I'm just <laughs> like, I, I don't know. No, so now they so, you know, yeah, the body just didn't rolls. learn that shit. So I'm like completely lost. Well, this has been a journey. <laughs> I know it really has. So many Um, thank you so much for listening y'all. Hasta la próxima. As always, you can find all of our songs and details about what we talked about today on our show notes. We're going to link that episode of Code Switch about La Bamba. We're going to link our episode with Tamara and just a few other things that we talked about today. So make sure to check out our show notes to get the details of all of the stuff we chatted about today. And yeah, like I said, we're on social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter at Radio Manea or RadioManea.com. You can just find us very easily everywhere. Google it loca as mm-hmm. our friends at Latino School Lunch say. Um, so yeah, follow yes. us, subscribe. And also, if you haven't checked out our tiendita, we've still got some of our merch available. Our team feelings pins, our perreo pins, our cardi totes. So go check it out. Um, yeah, and not to get like too like capitalist Christmas out here, uh-huh. pero I know that lots of you are probably like looking for regalitos or starting to think about it. The other day, I saw a store all decorated for Christmas, which I believe is unacceptable yeah, at this they have juncture. Yeah, wait until Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, wait until Thanksgiving for God's sake. But I know a lot of you are looking for regalitos for your folks. So, um, yeah, just consider our tiendita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll probably release more details about, like, when you have to order by to get your stuff by Navidad. So follow, make sure to follow us on social media. Um, maybe we'll also do some sort of discount code for the for Navidad for gifts. But um, so, yeah, follow us on, on particularly on Instagram. We'll, we'll post any updates there. But, yeah, check it out. I think that would be – I would love to get a little – you know, perreo pin in my stocking. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Hasta la próxima. Bye. Dime, por cuál horizonte se van tus ojos sin mí. Ahora sí, flor de jicaco, retoño de marañón, Ya se te acabó el fandango Ya se va tu corazón